Hey, this is Joseph Massonary. I'm the pastor at Cornerstone, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope this helps you build your faith. I hope in some way that God will challenge you with a new perspective as you listen. Enjoy the message. However you might be joining us, can we make sure to say a quick hello to those? There's always some folks online. If you haven't checked out our YouTube channel, you need to. But uh, can we welcome them as well? So good morning, good morning, 11. We're here to get into God's Word. Yeah. If you have a Bible today, would you open it up to the book of Hebrews chapter 11? Hebrews chapter 11. And man, it is, it is good to be in God's house I was listening in, and, and um, how many of you enjoyed, I, I thought Pastor Greg, he just brought it last week, did you enjoy him on Father's Day? Uh, bringing it, bringing it, and then my goodness, two weeks in a row, um, you know, it's, it's not just that he's gifted, it's not just that he's eloquent, and not just that he's a wonderful public speaker, but there's something exciting about seeing God's people hungry for God, Right? And as Sean delivered Romans chapter 12, I mean, I could go through like the Bible college checklist of how excellent it was, well, the excellence of execution, so to speak. Anybody from the 90s, you know that reference? No? It's all good. (laughs) Bret Hart, the hitman, excellence of execution, gosh. But you know, Sean brought the word when he brought Romans chapter 12, and um, I just was so excited to just see... um, just not only see what God's doing in his life, but it's, you know, isn't it cool to come to church and just be inspired by other believers, right? That's, that's one way to strengthen our faith is to hang out with people of the faith, right? And when people are actually living it and doing it and loving their wives and their families and being a wonderful father, that is inspiring. And so can we thank Sean for jumping in for two weeks and, and, and preaching the word, preaching the word. Um, so we're going to continue in this, this series we have called Sold Out Summer, and we're going to look at these heroes in Hebrews chapter 11, and we're moving on to a guy in the Bible that you may have never heard of. His name is, well, can you say it with me? Enoch. How many of us have heard of this guy? How many of us, let's be honest, have never heard of this dude? It's all right, right? Like, and this is not the Enoch that was a relative, a son of Cain, right? That, that Enoch actually had a city named after him, and he was recognized by man for generations to come. But the Enoch we're going to speak about today is a man that was recognized for walking with God, and he is recognized not by man. He's actually forgotten a lot by man, but he's recognized by God. And so as we get into Hebrews, a little bit of context, the author of this passage of this, this portion of Scripture, the book of Hebrews, he's writing to people I think this is relevant for every generation, but especially today, he's writing to people who are considering bailing out on their faith. He's writing to a people that have lost loved ones, that have lost property, that have lost finances. He's writing, writing to people who are hurting, people that have decided to follow Jesus, but because they have followed Jesus, there is now a cost. Right? And there, is, there are Christians being killed. And so he's writing to people saying, you know what, this, this effort, this relationship, this change, this boldness, this Jesus, he is worth it. And so he's writing to people who are really thinking about throwing in the towel, so to speak. Today we want to look at this next man. And, and yeah, it's, it's uh, well, that's his name, Enoch. I had some of our interns a couple weeks ago, they asked me, what is an Enoch? And I wanted to joke and say it's a cousin of the Ewoks. It's a distant relative, right? Uh, they live on, 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 a, on a planet Pandora and not Endor. No, I'm teasing. A lot of dad jokes here. Um, but an Enoch, it's not an email alert. It's actually a man in Scripture. And look at what Hebrews 11 says about him. Let's look at verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life. And get this, so that he did not experience death. So this man we're going to speak about today, I believe it's only him and Elisha that, that did not experience death, Elijah, right? We know, we know Jesus was taken and he ascended to heaven, but Jesus did walk through the process of death on the cross. 
So this man Enoch, let's continue, he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. So Hebrews, right off the bat, if you have your notes, you have a smartphone, you have a Bible, do you have a, a pen and paper? Enoch is, is known as a man who pleased God. So Hebrews tells us he pleased God. My question would be, well, what did he do? What did he do that pleased God so much? We're going to go all the way back. Take your Bible and just flip it over all the way back to Genesis. Genesis chapter 5, verse 21. And this man, basically Enoch has four verses written about him. That's it. That's it. Just four verses. And let's look at what on earth did this man do that pleased God? Well, Genesis chapter 5, verse 21. Would you read along with me? When Enoch had lived 65 years... He became the father of Methuselah. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully, faithfully with God for 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Let's stop right there in verse 25. So do we, let's put this together for just a minute. So it's saying after he had his son Methuselah at age 65, which how many of us want to be a dad at age 65? I mean, we'll always be a dad, but I should say it like this, a dad to a newborn, right? That's a different ball game, right? Um, Methuselah, so it's, so it's safe to say, all right, so if he walked with God after he had Methuselah, so that means I would just say he, he clearly wasn't walking with God before Methuselah, right? Before those, those first 65 years, we don't really know what was going on, but it's clear he wasn't walking with God. You know, it, it, it just right off the bat, doesn't that kind of like give us some hope for today? Right? It doesn't matter if you are, are 20, 30, you kind of you messed up in your 20s, you messed up in your 30s, you'd be 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, right? But there is hope to go in a new direction. There is a hope that we have to walk with God, to make a change, right? The hope that we have for humanity, that hope is Jesus, right? And so Enoch lived 65 years doing his thing, became a father after, let's read it, 300 years he walked faithfully with God. 300 years. My goodness, that's a lot of walking with God. Right? Think about that. 300 years? All together, here we go, Enoch, he lived a total of 365 years. Verse 24, Enoch walked faithfully with God, then he was no more because, it says, God took him away. So we find the reason here in Genesis chapter 5, all the way in the, the beginning of the Bible, basically, the reason he pleased God according to Genesis was because, get this, he walked with God. So today what are we going to look at is walking with God, and this is a, a, 300 years is a long walk, folks. Be like, God, would you please take me home, right? 300 years he walked with God. So we can say from these two passages that we have looked at, one way to please God is to walk with him. And you know why it's pleasing to him? Because let's be honest, sometimes in church we, we see people or we pretend or we act like it's really easy, right? We act like this following Jesus thing is just natural and we, we, we just never give in to temptation or we never mess up or we always, you know, we act like we always say the right thing at the right time, right? Well, walking with God pleases him because it takes a lot of faith to walk with a God that you cannot see. Would you agree with that, church, right? It takes faith to live for, walk with, believe in, agree with a God that we cannot See, so according to this scripture, in order to please God, we got to walk with him. Not like, sometimes we like to walk with God, but we like to do it as if God, like how many of you, did anybody have, what were those little wheelbarrow things, like a, a little radio flyer wheelbarrow? Anybody here roam around your neighborhood with that as a kid? I remember pushing like my siblings around, pulling. A lot of times when we walk with God, sometimes we go through seasons of life where like we have God, but we kind of just... We, we keep him in his, his compartment back there behind us, and instead of him leading us, deciding our steps, deciding our decisions, we decide to be like, yeah, God's my homeboy, he's my buddy, but he's, he's kind of back there doing his thing, right? No, no, no. Uh, according to Scripture, in order to please him, we got to walk with him. So number one, the first thing I would ask you to write down this morning, would you throw this into your, your, your notes, throw this into your smartphone? If you're not pleasing, you're not pleasing God if you're not walking with God. 
Like the reality for us as Christ's followers, we aren't pleasing God if you're not walking with God. Walking with God, and, and really, you could be honest, Sean kind of covered this in Romans 12, right? Offering our bodies as what? A living, somebody finish that statement? Sacrifice, holy and pleasing, right? But walking with God, it means that he has input. It means that he has a part of our life. It means that he has a, a say-so in our decision-making. It means that God has a, a part in our calendar, right? Walking with God, it means that God it could be found in our bank account. He could be found in our thought process. Walking with God means that <laughs> he's a part of our speech. Oh, now we're getting, ah, that's tough, right? Walking with God, get this, it means he's a part of our thumbs. And by that I mean just, isn't it crazy how technology changes? We're like, in, 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 in an instant we can hurt people just with the stroke of a keyboard, can't we? Right? Isn't it interesting, even culturally, like, we can, we can really, really be tough guys. We used to call it back in the day, um, I don't know, do you remember this? Like a telephone tough guy. But now it's like we got like keyboard warriors. Well, isn't it interesting, like we would never say the things to someone's face that we so quickly type into a screen, right? We would never be so bold. And, and so it's interesting culturally where we lack kindness as a culture, but sadly there's moments where even as Christ followers and as a church, we lack kindness and wisdom with our speech, don't we? Walking with God means knowing Him. It means also, though, one step further, it means knowing what He says, but then also, here it goes, walking with God actually means following what He says. Sometimes we just arrive into church and we begin that relationship and, oh my goodness, the Holy Spirit was moving or I felt something, God was speaking to me, but then we leave it at that and we leave His manual pushed to the side. We leave his word, his instructions for living out of the equation and we don't even bother to know what he says to us about living a godly life or a pleasing life to him. But we not only do we not know it, we don't even bother to do it. Even in church, I'm amazed by how much we say we know him, but in actuality, we don't always follow him. So walking with God, this, this Enoch story, this man with a crazy Star Wars name, right? Walking with God, it, it, it means agreeing with Him. It means, you know, if, if you live your life just ripping the pages out of the Bible that you don't like, <laughs> right? Sometimes we do that, right? It's like, I would never stand up here and rip a Bible. I saw a pastor do that once, and I just thought, that was a powerful visual, but I would be scared to do it, right? But I remember his point was, it was like, oh, you know what? I see a scripture I don't agree with. I see a scripture that doesn't sit well with me, I'm just going to rip that one out. Uh, that one's not for me, I'm just going to take that one out. It doesn't apply to me. Walking with God means agreeing with God about what he says, right? And if you disagree with him, don't be surprised, right, at those seasons of life. And maybe you can look back on your life in your 20s or your 30s or your teens where it's like you went off and did your own thing because the reality of what was going on in your heart, you were disagreeing with him right? Don't be surprised. It's tough to hang out with a God that you disagree with. It's tough to spend time in the presence of a God that you disagree with. Let's look at the next verse, Hebrews chapter 11. Back to the New Testament, would you? Chapter 11, verse 6. Let's go on one more verse, and this is a verse about our faith. Now, without faith, it's impossible to please God, since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists. And that he rewards those who seek him. A couple cool things. I like the rewards part in this verse. How many of us like that part, right? But it says, without our faith, it's impossible to please God. So faith, in essence, is, is basically living our lives based on an assumption. And the assumption is this, based on the assumption that God is there for us to walk with. The living our lives on assumption that God is present to walk with him. And again, not always easy to do when it's, he is a God that we cannot see. We were, as PG, Pastor Greg, or sometimes I call him dad, um, as he said, we were able to be on vacation after a wonderful time at a pastor's conference in Orlando. And we went to Animal Kingdom. Has anybody ever been to that place with this giant tree and uh, mom and her, her sister, auntie, 
right? They were out across the park. I think they may have been. All the ladies in the house say amen. I think they were getting Starbucks, something like that, right? Like the old Starbucks run. It never ends, right? Um, but I, I think they were, they were doing something like that. And I get a text from my wife, and, and she says, hey, we're on our way back. But by this time, we were like on the Asia Bridge, which if you know Animal Kingdom, it's on the other side of the park from like Avatar Land or something like that. And, and she basically says, hey, do you want me to bring Quinn back her favorite Oreo Mickey Mouse cookie? And you want me to bring uh, Harper back that fruit bar ice cream that she likes? Of course, like any dad, I said, no, it's like $6 a thing. No way. No, I'm teasing. I said, absolutely. Like, they would love that. Cool. So as they were, they were bringing it back, my wife, she, she said, hey, I'm almost to you. And I, I, I'm, I'm like a little taller than my kids, Right? Uh, Harper is, is now eight and Quinn is five and so they're down here and I look down from this bridge and all the way down past the tree I see my wife and auntie coming with the ice cream ready to go and in Florida that stuff melts a lot quicker than Disneyland. Anybody agree, right? It's like, wow, that is, you don't have that problem, right? But uh, I, I tell my girls, I'm like, I'm ready to I'm go, hey girls, guess what auntie has for you? Guess what mommy has for you? They got ice cream and I told them, I go, just start running that way. I go, just run. And they're about 300 feet, 100 yards off. Like, they're, they're, they're a distance away, but I could see them, so I was cool with the kids running off. And they look at me like, Dad's going to just let us off the leash. He's going to let us go. And it was, it was hilarious what ensued because they take off running, the two of them together. And after they got about 25 feet away from Dad, they just abruptly stop. And they look around and they look back at us. They look back at me. They look at each other. And then they run back to Dad. And I remember thinking, I'm like, you guys, mom has ice cream. Like she has the ice cream, and I know that you want it. But you know, it's interesting, they aren't as tall as I am. And so in that moment, their faith wasn't based on what dad said, but their faith, their faith was based on what they could see. Right? Like they, it was like, guys, I, I promise you, there is a blessing about 300 feet away. Just go. Just go, girl, go get it, right? And they stop and they come back. But we could say it like this, their faith was based more on what they could not see. Well, you know, sometimes in our walk with God, we respond the very same way. We know there is a blessing and a promise out there, but we, we cannot see it, we cannot see Him, and so for some reason, we just pause. We just begin to turn around to where we once were. Walking with God, it means believing in His promises. It means believing that here it is, that He just is. Faith is, is tough because we have to come to a place, each of us in our walk, a place of brutal honesty and saying, I believe by faith that God is worth knowing. I believe by faith that the God I know is personal. I believe by faith that the God I know, that his opinion matters, that he is more knowledgeable than me, that his ways are so far above my ways, right? Walking by faith, it's believing that he is. Let's read this scripture again one more time through verse 6, Hebrews eleven six. 6. Somebody just say it with me. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, since one who draws near to him must believe that he exists, and he rewards those who seek him. This says there's a reward for those that seek him. The thing about God, and I love this reality, he is a relational God. You know, God has been a relationship since the beginning, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, right? They have always been. He's always been in a relationship, but he's, he's not a God that is going to force himself. When you don't want to hang out with him, he is not going to force himself to hang out with you right? He, he, if you don't want to talk to him, he is, is, is okay letting you decide on your own what you want to do, right? And I think of that in relationships. It's like, I don't want to walk with someone who doesn't want to walk with me. I don't want to go to lunch with someone that doesn't want to go to lunch with me, right? Whatever it might be. I was, I was in, a, we had one day where we went to Cocoa Beach, which was amazing. It's kind of crazy as a West Coast person. You go to that Florida water, and you could like stay in it all day long, right? It was, it was wild, totally different than the cold California water for us. But I went on a, a walk with my, my daughter Harper, who just turned eight this week as well. We have two birthdays in, in, in a matter of three days, right? Um, hashtag anniversary children, right? Um, to TMI. Some of, some of us are late getting that joke, right? Uh, but 
Harper, Harper uh, turned eight on Thursday, and Peyton turns 10 today, and I, I asked Harper at, at Cocoa Beach, I said, hey, would you want to go for a walk with Dad? And she's like, if you know Harper, she was all smiley and grabs my hand, and we begin to walk halfway down to this pier for about 15, 20 minutes. We're just talking, having a wonderful time. At one point, she starts noticing all the footprints in the sand that we're leaving behind, and, and it was pretty cool, like the image I remember of seeing the the ocean water come and just wash away all of our foot tracks and our, we are giggling about things. I was talking to her about life, talking to her about the ocean, talking to her about what she, what she wants to do when she gets older, just having a little dad conversation. But you know what's interesting, when I asked her to walk with me, I, I, I would say it like this, I would never force my girls to hold my hand. I would never force them to walk with me. Of course I desired that. I like had a little dad moment right there on Cocoa Beach, right? But the reality, who wants to walk with someone that doesn't want to walk with them? God will allow us to make that decision. He will allow us to do our own thing. He will allow us to walk away from his word, from his playbook, right? He will allow us to play outside the bounds of the way the game of life is meant to be played, right? And when we do so, you know, you think of anybody excited for football season coming up? Come on, no, come on, is anybody excited for football season coming up? But you know, as much as I love football, and, and I think the reason I love football so much is, honestly, it translates so well to TV. It's like more fun to watch on TV than it is in person, in my opinion, right? But imagine if just, you know, you decide to take away the boundaries, you decide to take away the goalposts, you decide to take away the amount of players you need on the field, you decide to take away the, out, you know, you just move the out-of-bounds line into the stands, do whatever you want to do. You know, some of the structure and some of the rules and some of the things that are required to make football enjoyable, right, it requires a rule book. It requires playing within the confines of how that game is designed. You know, when we think of God's plan for our life, it's, it's very much the same way, right? It, it's not an essence of, oh my gosh, we can't go out and do it. We, we can, but it will sure make things tough in the long run. Number two, would you write this down? And this is um, just something I feel like the Holy Spirit put on my heart this week. But would you write this down? Number two, walking with God often means you will be walking against culture. Often means you will be walking against culture. And we need to realize, church, um, that there is a, a, a spirit. The enemy's job is to be an, <laughs> is to be an enemy of godliness of godly behavior. His job is to distract and to disrupt. I think one of the greatest tools he can use, and this applies to if you're a student, if you're in college, if you're a boss, if you're just starting a new job, if, I think we need to pray this over pastors throughout the entire country, the world, that somehow there, a really effective tool that the enemy uses is he, there's this urge that we all have to be liked. Would you agree with that, church? Right? Like all of us have an urge. Like it's like you have an urge to be liked. And, and, and that's an effective tool of the enemy. But when we see things that are firmly under his control, his grasp, one of the, the, the greatest mistakes we have made as a nation and as a, as a community, and sometimes, you know, we even have church meetings where we can begin them and, and somebody just doesn't start off with prayer. Sometimes, here we go, this is a tool of the enemy, we just tend to leave God out of the equation. We leave God out of the decision making. We leave God out of the, out of the plan. We leave God out of the equation completely. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14. I'm going to throw a lot of scripture at you in a minute here. Is that all right? Are we okay with some scripture this morning? You all right with that? All right, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Verse 14, keep reminding God's people of these things. 2 Timothy 2, 14. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. Oh my. Quarreling about words. It is of no value. It only ruins those who listen. I actually love that part. You know, it's, it's interesting. Quarreling about words... So, so when I break down this scripture in chapter 14, just listening to foolish words, it says, you realize what that says? Some of us, it's like we, we're okay just listening, right? We have ears that just, we just, they just itch to know what's going on, right? Look what the Bible says about this. It's, it's about, it's of no value. 
It says it ruins those who just simply listen. 15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Verse 16, avoid godless chatter. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. As a Christian, I, I think that's what's interesting. The more we get into the, the, the word, the more that the world comes out of us. The more that our opinion is less like the world, right? But sometimes uh, we live our lives as if, you know, it's like, just let me have a sip of that poison. Just let me put one toe in the water. Let me see how close I can get to sin. Let me see how close I can get to that line, right? This world, the Bible says that we're passing through. The Bible uses this term called, we're a sojourner. Meaning we are, we are just passing through. This world is not our home. I think of that movie. Anybody remember that movie Avatar back in the day? And I'm, I'm throwing out all these references because it's like I was just in Orlando, right? And we did the whole Avatar world. But I was thinking about that movie, how when they went to that planet called Pandora, they would take just one breath, one gasp of that air on the planet there. And what would it do? Remember what would happen? They would begin to be poisoned. They would begin to suffocate. They would need that, that protection, that guard over their lungs, over, their, over their, their bodies to keep them alive. And sometimes we live our worlds where, where we live our life where it's like, you know, I just want a, just a breath of that worldly air. I just want a breath of that worldly activity. And, and, and sometimes we don't realize where the Bible says like, man, I wish you would be hot. I wish you would be cold because you were lukewarm. You are of no use to me. And sadly, I think that's oftentimes where we see Christians today, churches today, where it's like it's this, this lukewarm mentality where we aren't pouring our lives to serving others, giving to others, caring for others. Second Peter chapter 1. We're going to look at a few verses here. Second Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3. His divine power has given us everything Turn to someone and say, everything. All right, so what does everything mean? <laughs> everything, right? It doesn't say his divine power has given us some things, partial things. No, he says his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Though these he has given us, his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. Verse 5. And if I would say there are some tools and some weapons we need to sharpen and some armor we need to put on and some things we need to stand for right now, right now, today, it would be these things. He says, for this very reason, make every effort and I think sometimes, church, we, we don't make any effort to add these things to our life. Ready? Make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness. And here we go, and, and to godliness, it's, we need to add to our arsenal Mutual affection. Would you agree with that this morning? You know, I, I said that earlier, like, it's like we live in a culture where we, we are not allowed to disagree. It's like one, it's like groups, just, you disagree and it's like, it's, it's like, oh my gosh, it's crazy, right? But you know what's so interesting when you actually, this, 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 it says mutual affection. When you actually like speak to someone that you disagree with face to face in a kind manner, in a godly manner, in a soft manner. It's interesting how those conversations go. And even if you leave not convincing anybody of anything different, it's interesting with a sense of honor and a sense of mutual respect. And, and, and quite frankly, that's really lacking in the world. But sadly, you know what? That's okay. Like sometimes it's like, can we be big boys and big girls and realize like we are the church and we need to show what, what it says. What, what does it say here? Self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection it's okay if you don't show affection for me that gives me no excuse not to respond with the love of christ towards you somebody say amen right that's like a difficult truth why do we expect non-believers to act christ-like 
but man, we sure ought to. We sure, I mean, goodness, we, we better. And to mutual affection add love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing, increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at that, like, he nails it right there. Is, could there be a possible reason why churches are being ineffective and unproductive? Oh, maybe because you're lacking self-control and you're lacking perseverance and you're lacking godliness and you're lacking mutual affection and, you're, and most of all, you're, you're lacking love and you're lacking goodness, right? Wow. Keep you from being ineffective, unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But here we go, verse 9, and, and watch out because anytime a, a sentence begins with the word but, you know, you're, you're going to get the truth here, right? You're going to get the end result of that disobedience. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from what? What have we been cleansed from? What are we celebrating? I mean, right, it's like, again, not, not expecting the world to behave like us, but we cannot be nearsighted and blind Christians. Forgetting what? Forgetting that we are cleansed because of who? We are forgiven because of who? We've been cleansed because of our past sins, because of Jesus. Wow. Are you hungry for those attributes? Right? Would you just look at that verse again and, and let that sink in, right? Are you hungry for self-control? That never sounds fun, does it? <laughs> right? Self-control. Goodness, knowledge, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, love, right? Are we hungry for those attributes? As kids, we used to say, I remember my kids have said this, like, Dad, I'm hungry, and you're like, well, go to the fridge, right? Go to the pantry. And they're like, there's nothing to eat. And in some areas of our country, that is probably a very true statement. I think for many, we, more so than that, it's like going to the closet and saying, I have nothing to wear, Really, usually, men and ladies, it means like I have nothing that I like to wear, right? right? When, when my kids come and say, Dad, there's nothing to eat, it's like, really, there's nothing in that fridge that you want to eat. There's an apple right there, right? There's a cheese stick or something, but you want something different, right? And, and a godly person, one of the things that you notice about godly people is that they are starving for God, right? As I was, um, it was fun watching uh, is, I don't see him, I think I, I think I, maybe he's teaching children's church today. It was fun watching Sean preach online because just watching God use him and watching him step out in his, his giftings and what God has called him to, it's fun to watch him, but you know, it's interesting. Um, I worked with his brother from 2008, 2007 to 2008 for about nine months, and if you know a little bit of our story here at Cornerstone, his twin brother Cole was our youth pastor. And unexpectedly, out of nowhere, he, he had passed away. And so it's interesting seeing God move here now like 14 years later. And one of the things about Cole, and you would remember this, is he just, he loved getting into the Word. He would study. He was hungry. He was hungry. He was, I'd say that was a way to describe him. And like me and him, we, I think we even liked our donuts. I'm teasing. But he was hungry for the things of God. And what's cool, like a hunger for the things of God, it confirms a relationship with God. Often, that, that actually should be a point right there, right? A hunger for the things of God confirms relationship. Oftentimes, it's like we just are like blase fair, okay, it's cool, I sealed that deal a while ago. I put a ring on my faith a while ago. I did the baptism thing a while ago, but I'm not really starving anymore. One of the reasons I can tell you it's fun to watch Sean preach is because he's hungry for the things of God. Right? It's just flat out. That's the spiritual connection that you watch. It's not just that he's eloquent or it, it, all those different giftings. Yes, those are gifts that God has given, but it's because he's hungry to see God move. A hunger for God confirms that we actually know God. Come on, someone, let's amen, right? Right? It confirms it, right? So again, walking with God, it often means, as we close number two, it means walking against culture. And Culture, and, and, and you know what, church, I think even as church, we need to be careful with our words. I think even as, as, as church people, we need to be careful with what we type. We need to be careful how we act when we lose. We need to be careful how we act when we perceive get a win, whatever it may be. And culture is so loud right now, but what concerns me is 
that Christ followers can be so loud as well. And I'll say it like this, this is what we need. You know what we need? You know what we need this week? This is what we need. It needs, we need more faith. We need to add to our faith. We need it in forms of goodness, in forms of giving. We need to add to our faith knowledge. We need to add to our faith self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection. We need to add to our faith love. I don't know that we need any more posts or keyboard warriors or things about loud, like loud voices, but man, I, I just happen to like live my life and I kind of think I like to give a sermon when there's people that show up to listen to it. I don't know why, right? <laughs> I don't even like it, right? But like the point I try, like it's interesting, like social media or Facebook, all these different things, they've allowed us to give our opinions even though there has been no training for that opinion, right? Even it gives us a, a, it gives us a pulpit when there is no audience, it's interesting dynamic to me, right? But, but as, as we talk about this week and as we see culture is loud, culture is loud, right? But why do we as Christians, and there is, I believe as a Christ follower, there are things to celebrate and there is something to celebrate. I talk about in my lifetime, there is something to celebrate. But it's, it's something I think in a godly way, in a humble way, to a point where we, we, we focus and we talk about, you know what we talk about, folks? We need to point people humbly to God's word. We need to point people to what God says about things, about this week. And I want to ask you, and, and you, know, you know in church we can actually disagree as well, right? You know that? Like we don't all think this, sometimes we go to church and we think like, we all think the same. We all vote the same. We all believe the same, Right? But here's what I just want to ask us to do. I want to bow our heads. And I want you to just, I, I thought, man, God, what do you have to say about this week? God, what do you have to say about this moment in time? And I was doing a study, and I was, I was, I was listening to uh, Pastor Tony Evans. He's a, a pastor in Dallas, Texas, an African-American pastor. And I'll just tell you, I have his study. He's just becoming one of my favorite preachers of all time. And I was listening to him. And I felt like he instructed me, he said, what does God's word have to say about this week? Could we bow our heads, and what I want to do is just listen to God's word for a moment. Could we bow our heads and just close our eyes? And, and just say, you know what, Holy Spirit, I just invite you to speak. But here's what God's word says. And I want you to listen with ears that possibly block out my voice, but just hear God's word. Galatians 1 15, but when God who had set me apart, even from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, was pleased. Jeremiah 1, 5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. Psalm twenty two ten. upon you I was cast from birth. You have been my God from my mother's womb. Psalm 139, 13, for you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, there was a man named John the Baptist. The Bible says he was filled with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb. Luke chapter 1, verse 5, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. The scripture says babies in the womb feel the Holy Spirit. Why? Because that baby is a life. And with a sense of humility and a sense of, you know what? Scripture can be tough sometimes. We can feel like, you know, the world has so many loud things to say and so many things to post about. But God, what does your word say? I wanted to read to you a statement from Pastor Tony Evans. Like I said, he's, he's just become one of my heroes, and I, he's getting into his 70s. Let's open our eyes, and I thought to my, is that dad on the piano? I thought, dad, you know, we should make a trip to Dallas to go see him before he, uh, I know his wife is already in heaven, but I would love to go see him sometime. But I thought, man, like, 
in a culture where everything is getting amped up, and even if it's, there's decisions that we agree with or don't agree with, what are we called to do as the church? Well, I thought this statement, and it's pretty long, but I want to read it to you, and I would say this is where we are at as Cornerstone. This is a statement, if you want to look it up, it's from Pastor Tony Evans, African-American pastor in Dallas, Texas. He says this, We join with countless voices heard today, as well as those yet to be heard someday, those who will now have the opportunity to do so through the gift of life and giving God the glory for His sovereign hand in this historical decision by our Supreme Court. Christians everywhere ought to humbly celebrate this decision to overturn the 1973 ruling of Roe versus Wade. This decision removes the federal constitutional right to an abortion and returns the abortion laws to the states, some of which plan to restrict or ban abortion altogether. He goes on to say, in addition to saving countless lives of our collective humanity, this decision also positions us more fully to intercede on behalf of God's mercy on our nation in order to reverse the crime epidemic. This is so because Scripture says this, and, and folks, again, we need to look at what Scripture says. We need to stop saying what we think. Scripture says in Psalm 106, 36-42, Joel chapter 3, verse 19, it says when innocent blood is shed, we can expect more innocent blood in society to be shed through violence and through oppression. Thus, a decrease in the number of abortions can lead to a decrease in the violent crime. We must see, church, the spiritual connection between the disregard for life inside as well as, listen to this, outside the womb how these issues are connected. At the heart of this issue is the image of God. The image of God is tantamount to this issue as attacking the unborn is attacking God since all life, according to Genesis chapter 1, was created in His image, including the developing life in the womb, Psalm 139. While celebrating and giving God praise for His movement in this space and time, we must also not lose sight of the fact that the image of God and I think sometimes when culture gets really loud this is what they hunger to see from us church as I vacate off this statement a little bit I think people hunger to see a little bit of this we must also not lose sight of the fact that the image of God equally applies to protecting the dignity of people once they are born James chapter 3 verse 9 Psalm 8 verse 4 through 5 therefore Anything that demeans the value of people's lives, church, we must address it. It must be addressed with the same fervor, the same passion that has been given to preserving the life of the unborn. All forms of the denial of justice, of human dignity, whether classism, racism, or degradation of any kind, it must be viewed and addressed in terms of in respect to the image of God. The image of God. It is time for God's people to lead in a way promoting a whole life agenda from the womb to the tomb as we simultaneously need to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, the gift of forgiveness he has to offer for all of us who come to him. While doing so, may we never forget to show compassion to those who've experienced abortion. Compassion. As well as kindness to those who believe differently than we belief on this issue or on any issue. I could say that as a leader in church. I could say that as Pastor Greg. I would love for you to come have a discussion or a phone call or a cup of coffee if there's something we disagree with on than to just disappear than to or just to post or to do whatever. But my goodness, Let's have kindness to those who believe differently than we do on the issue or any other issue. Lastly, and I love this statement because our church, we've talked about building strong families for Christ. Lastly, to the men. Oh, yes. Lastly, this, to men, our statement to you remains the same as always. You are to live responsible lives in your actions and decisions. Men should be held personally and financially accountable for the children they help to produce whether planned or unplanned, but most importantly, women should never have to bear the challenges of an unplanned pregnancy on their own. What are we going to do about this as the body of Christ? As the body of Christ, we should come along those who are in need through spiritual and actual tangible 
resources, and support. You see, no matter where you are at, part of walking with God is is this right here. We're going to close with this, number three. It's understanding there are some issues where Scripture must overrule our ideas and opinions. There are moments where Scripture has to overrule our ideas and our opinions because I'll be honest, I saw a preacher do this one time, but he, he, he stood up and he was like ripping pages out of a Bible to kind of show that like there's parts of the Bible we like to follow and there's parts of the Bible we don't like to follow. I don't know if I would have the guts to do that because I'm a little old school and I'd be scared to do that to God's word, right? But as we talk about this, Scripture must overrule our ideas and our opinions to truly walk with God. It's a decision based on faith. We've been talking about walking with God on faith It's a decision that says, you know what, God's word is true regardless of my opinion. God's word is true regardless of what I think it means evaluating God's perspective on every issue, everything all around us. God, what is your perspective on this situation? And it's a lifestyle, and this is where it gets hard. What does walking with God look like? It looks like a lifestyle that consistently follows him. And that's where we fall short, don't we? We speak out, we lash out, we say things, right? We fight through a screen, whatever it is, and it's so tough. But God requires that you agree with him on all that he says. I don't get to pick scripture I like and scripture I don't like. To go against God's word simply means you're becoming a little G. By that, right, I used to say like a little God. It means you're creating, you're, you're, you're becoming your own idol, 1 Timothy 4.1, the Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Could we say it like this? The devil, the enemy, he is the greatest professor there has ever been at teaching us, at tricking us, at showing us what wickedness is. Right? You can get loud, right? I know it's like all quiet in here now, right? But the enemy of our souls, he is a great teacher at promoting wickedness. And we must, for the follower of Christ, Scripture must overrule our ideas, our opinions. We've got to tune in. I remember I had an old 1986 GMC Stepside fire engine red truck. And this thing was pretty. It was so pretty. It didn't run. The steering wheel came off one time when my brother was driving. True story. But it had a radio. Do you remember those radios where you actually had to spin the dial to get to a station? And you just had like a few, right? And you would call that like tuning into the radio station. Well, folks, you know, one of the problems we have in church, and this is for the Christ followers, oftentimes we tune into every other station, Fox News, CNN, a podcast, whatever your favorite, um, whatever your favorite weekly show is, whatever it is, and we tune in to everyone else and we just tune into God's channel on Sunday morning for an hour, right? We just kind of visit for a brunch. We just kind of visit his presence. We don't live in it. We don't walk in it. You don't have to really, like when we talk about walking with God, it's walking in his presence. When we talk about not walking with God, it's, 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 it looks like, man, <laughs> it looks like chaos. As we close, you don't have to stumble in front of everybody. It seems like culture really celebrates when people fail lately, right? Like forgiveness, all those different things don't seem to be high on our priority list as American citizens these days. But you know, you don't have to commit a crime. You don't have to fail in public really to not be walking with God. You know, all you have to do is leave God's word out of the equation. All you have to do is leave God's opinion out of the situation and all of a sudden you are walking alone on that beach all by yourself when we do that. Can we bow our heads? Let's pray. God, we thank you for this time. God, we we pray that we would be people who are quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. God, that we would add and sharpen our goodness and our knowledge and our self-control and our perseverance and our godliness. God, that we would sharpen our, our affection for others. Yes, others who may not agree. Our mutual affection for people, our love for people. God, that we would be identified by our love. 
God, we ask as we, every head bowed and our eyes closed, Holy Spirit, would you show me today? Would you pray this possibly with me today? Holy Spirit, would you show me an area in my life where I am disagreeing with your word? And it can be any other topic. It doesn't have to be things we discuss today. God, show me areas of, of, of my life where I don't actually trust or I don't actually believe what your word says. Because God, I want to walk with you. God, help me to add these attributes to my faith, even now, to add goodness and knowledge and perseverance and goodness, love, affection. Maybe you're here today and, and, and the Bible, the Bible says that when you decide to walk with Jesus, that when you become a Christ follower, you become a new creation, a new person on the inside that you're not the same, but a new life has begun. I want to ask you, where are you at today on this walk with Jesus? Where are you at in this relationship with God the Father? Maybe you've been out of His presence for a while. I want to ask you, maybe it's time to come home. Because like any father who loves his children, he is excited when his kid comes home. Maybe you're here today and you want to recommit your life to Him. Can we just pray this? God, I want to open my life to You. Jesus, be my Savior. Jesus, forgive me and guide me. God, I want to focus on Your Word. God, I want to trust in You. God, I want to start new. God, we thank You for this time. In Jesus' holy name, can all God's people this morning, can we say amen? Thank you for joining us today, and a special thanks to those who give to Cornerstone. You know, it's because of you, our ministry, it's possible. Uh, you can click the link in the description to give now or visit us at cornerstonelv.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with friends, share it with family, help us spread God's word. You can also join us live every Sunday. We invite you, 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. We stream service live. Thank you again for listening.